feel like sometimes life is really mental. Dude, that's actually a really good name for a podcast. <laughs> Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. I genuinely have not had like a free day to sit with myself and think. The first Saturday in at least four months that I had off, everything good and bad just like hit me all at once. Hey everyone, welcome to the Really Mental podcast where we talk about mental health and identity because we want you to know no matter who you are, you're not alone. Please follow, like, subscribe, and also follow us on our socials at Really Mental Podcast. And also rate this a five stars because your boys are out here hustling, trying to spread the word on mental health. Appreciate you being here. And today we are talking with the amazing M. Byhold, who I met in November last year. She's just had an incredible journey and, and skyrocket into the music industry and just been very successful. Today we're talking about anxiety. And Harry, I wanted to ask you, what has your journey with anxiety been like and how are you going with it today? I think the best word to describe it would be a roller coaster. Like it's really high highs and really low lows. And it just is so random when I'm feeling those anxious moments. And I think I've learned now how to balance it a little bit better, but still at the end of the day, I still get anxiety and still feel anxious all the time. I think it's just about like how I balance my life and how I balance my time. And when I don't look after myself and I put myself in situations where I'm stressed out, like even today, right? Like I've got a flight this afternoon, got a bunch of things to get done, feeling a bit anxious about it all because like got to rush and got to get stuff done. But I remind myself that it will all end up and be fine. Cause at the end of the day, like what, nothing really that bad is going to happen if everything goes to crap. Like it won't really change my life too much. And I remind myself of that because if I don't bring myself back to that place, then I'll spiral out and just get super anxious and freak out. What about you, Will? How's your journey with anxiety been? Yeah, I think like for me, it really started off as a lot of social anxiety. When I was 18, meditation, going to see a therapist really helped. And I would say since then, you know, meditation is something I do every day. It's something I did today as well. And it's helped me so much to calm myself down. I would also say my journey with faith and that has really helped me sort of let go of some of the concerns I have for the future. I really think trusting in something higher is, has helped me a lot. And I think like very helpful just for anyone to sort of have that, I guess, relationship and belief that things will be okay. You know, those two things really helped me. I definitely recommend, you know, talking about it. For instance, the last two days for me have been really tough. Not so much with anxiety, just being really sad. And I, I spoke to a couple of close friends and and family and they've really helped me just speaking about it. And I would say that's something I've grown in, in terms of my attitude around working on my mental health is I haven't felt like that in like probably six months, but I just spoke about it and it really helped me feel better about it. So I think that's probably something I've also learned over my journey with dealing with anxiety and depression and, you know, mental health just generally. I'm very excited to speak with M today. I, I spoke to her in November. We had a Zoom call and I was talking about working on a song with her and like to hear what she was going through then and where she was at with her music relative to now. It's so inspiring. So I really hope that everyone listening can really enjoy this sort of background to someone who's taking off in the industry. She just had her first hit this year with Numb Little Bug, hundreds of millions of streams for that. So I think it could be really interesting to get her thoughts on anxiety and how she's dealt with that considering coming off such a big high point of success. So we're going to welcome M 
to the show and very excited to have an amazing conversation on anxiety. Hey everyone, we have a really mental show on the Amazon AMP app. We're going to be hosting live conversations with some of your favorite guests, including some of the ones on here. Make sure you go follow us on the Amazon AMP app at Really Mental, and we want you to know that no matter who you are, you're not alone. Hopefully we'll see you on Amazon AMP at 7 p.m. PT, 10 p.m. ET every Sunday. All right, see you then, beautiful human. All right, Tweezy, we are here with M. Byhold. Very excited for this conversation today around anxiety. First of all, could you please describe yourself for people who haven't heard of you? Hello, I'm M. Byhold, and I make pop music about anxiety, and I, I kind of call it like blunt pop. <laughs> Lyrically, I wrote Numb Little Bug. I love that, blunt pop. I think it's a good way to describe your music. I think one of my favorite things about your writing is your ability to like touch on subjects, which it's pretty hard to write about those topics and not be like completely on the nose. Like you do it in a way which is tasteful. And even just like speaking about in the song, how you like are on medication and and stuff, we're going to get into that. But I think it's a real credit to you as a writer as well, just to be able to pull that off because it's hard. Thank you. I appreciate it. And let's start from sort of the beginning of your journey. What were you like as a kid? What was your energy like? I feel like I was good. I was curious. I didn't like sharing. I know that for sure. (laughs) But I was very musical and I was always writing. And I mean, that just kind of kept up. But I was silly too. I had fun. (laughs) What type of things did you do when you were a kid? Like what type of things were you interested in? Um, At one point, I thought I was going to be a professional horse rider. And that didn't pan out. I don't don't ride horses and I never really (laughs) have. I started taking lessons uh, on piano when I was six years old. And I mean, that really formed a lot of who I was growing up because the way that I processed my emotions was like through writing. So it's always been an interest. Was it something that you straight away just went, okay, like I love this or did it take some time for you to like really get into playing piano before you like actually sort of like music? I always loved playing and I was also lucky to have a teacher who introduced me to artists like Regina Spector and Fiona Apple, who are my idols to this day. I hated practicing. I didn't like classical music. I didn't like the normal piano path, but like instead of practicing, I'd spend all the time you know, I would be doing Chopin, like creating something new instead. And I found that very fun. When you look back on your childhood, what experience was the most formative for you? What's interesting is when I went to college, I mean, obviously that was like the first time I was independent. And then graduating, I moved back home and it was the pandemic. And it kind of felt like I was a kid again, because I mean, obviously we're doing this interview and I'm still in my childhood bedroom. But at the same time, like the first time not having responsibilities of school and everything was like, the first time I really took a chance on myself doing music and like taking every little opportunity and then doing TikTok. And then it's been formative to, to this moment happening, just like actually believing in myself, I guess, which I didn't always do before. You know, I always kind of grew up having like the music side and the fencing side. And that was definitely vital to who I am today because it kept me balanced. It kind of allowed me to learn that like, you shouldn't have one thing that should be your entire world because when that world's not going as you want it to, or like, it's, you know, you have a terrible tournament or I don't know, I just for the voice and I got rejected. Like you realize, oh, there's other things. It's not like just that. When you say that, I, I think about during high school, I was really into volleyball as well as music. And I think that some of the best, I guess, sort of like flow state times for music and in my career was like during that period, because it felt like there was less pressure on it. How does it feel now when you sort of compare those times Do you feel like you're able to enjoy music without that pressure or does it almost feel like you've got all your eggs in that basket? 
I do feel like I have all my eggs in that basket now. And it's funny you ask, cause I'm like trying to find some form of like exercise or something that can just kind of like take me out of this world a little bit. Cause it can be a lot. And, and also for the first time, um, music is like my job. So I'm doing sessions like nearly every day. I mean, I, I get songs I'm really excited about like once in a while, but it's not quite as fun when you're like forced to write at this time on this day, every day. That's not why I've like fell into it, you know? Yeah. In all of our careers, there's always been a point when you realize that this can actually be tangible, right? That you can actually make money from this. You can actually do things properly. And when was that moment when you realized music could be your full-time career? Well, there were a couple. So when I was younger, I played a show and afterwards the director of a movie came up to me and she was like, you know, would you want to write a song for our movie? Like we don't have the biggest budget, but like the amount she said was the, was larger than I had ever imagined at that age. And so I was like, yes, of course. Writing a song for a movie, which is a dream. And frankly, I'd do it for free at that point, especially like could pay. But I think also there was a time when I was starting out on TikTok and I would do a lot of open verses. And there was a writing group in, I believe it was England that wanted to offer me a job just like doing top lines and they sent like a sample beat and then like paid a hundred euros or something. Rolling in it. hundred euros. <laughs> yeah. That's like 200 bucks, dude. I've been doing all the transfers recently. It's a lot. It's this guy. To be honest, I don't think the transaction went through and that's okay. But... <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't think it was a scam. I think there were just some like communication issues that happened. But anyway... I mean, it was just cool. It's like even be offered to be paid for something that I think was fun. And then of course, like record deal and the publishing deal and all that. It's been crazy. For people who don't know the music industry as well, which we don't expect you to, when you get a song on a movie or you write for a movie, that's considered sync. And it's funny that you mentioned that because that was my, the reason I took music seriously is because I got to sync as well. It's interesting how hearing you speak about how you started to sort of realize it could be something because for me too, I thought like, I didn't really know you could make money off music until that came through. And it's like a pretty good way to start things off. Like what are the chances that you're just playing a show and someone comes up and is like, Hey, would you want to write for a movie I'm making? Like, how did you feel at that time? Was that a surprise or were you like, Oh no, this is meant to happen. Oh, over the moon. And also what's funny is, especially at that age, I thought like dreaming to be an artist was such an unfeasible thing that my like life goal was to write sync songs. That's what I wanted to do. Oh, interesting. Then the record deal came along and, and sort of touched on where you are now. But before that point, because we spoke end of November last year or something, and you probably had like 400,000 monthly listeners and now you have like millions and millions. Between that period of time, what was your life like when you were sort of on the rise as an artist? Did it happen overnight, that record deal? Or what was that period like when you were still on the come up? So I have a song called Groundhog Day that went viral, not to numb little bug level, but all of a sudden, like the labels were swarming and all like taking me to lunch. And, you know, it was actually, while an exciting time, a very like stressful time because I didn't know who really wanted to sign me as a long-term artist and who cared about me for like that moment because the song was going viral. And I ended up picking a a subset of Republic Records called Moon Projects and Mary Rahmani, who's the founder, told me that she relates to my songs and also just like thinks mental health is really important to prioritize, especially in an industry like this. And I can just like sense how human and genuine she was. And that's why I went with that decision. So that deal like took a little time to get in place. I think I officially signed it in October. And then 
basically numb little bug the the video that i posted on tiktok went viral with seven million views i posted it in august but the song wasn't done until january so kind of i guess august until january i was like really scared because the song wasn't ready yet and i was like oh i'm like losing this opportunity for a really big song oh no did a, a bunch of videos on tiktok for it in january and then it got a million streams the first day and it's like pretty much continued that every day since it's came out that is crazy <laughs> yeah i was that that day came out i was like frantic i wasn't even happy i was just like ah right <laughs> yeah. right i know that's the funny thing is like when we picture you know the moments of okay this is the it's happening point in time i feel like those can be the most stressful where are your expectations now that your songs have reached that certain level? Like, does every song you put out have to hit that level now? Or The follow-up single, Too Precious, people were asking me like, oh, do you feel like stressed if Too Precious doesn't do Numb Little Bug numbers? And I said, I don't think I could like stomach if it did Numb Little Bug numbers because it's been so crazy and intense and hectic and I'm so grateful for it truly, but it's been a lot and I haven't really been sleeping and really taking care of myself the way I should. I'm fine for it to like settle a little bit. Can you tell us about sort of your feelings throughout the process of having a song become quote unquote a hit, which is a definition that is defined differently for everyone. But I would say, you know, you've had a very successful song. So what was that period of time up until now? How have you been feeling? Because I think it would be okay for you to say like, it's been tough or like you haven't really been able to process it because you only know what it's going to feel like when you're in it. You don't have any way of telling what it's going to be like before, right? In terms of your schedule. So how have you been feeling? I've been honestly kind of emotionally flatlined like the song suggests. I am so grateful for it. And also my favorite part of it is like when I get messages of people saying, I've always felt this way, but I didn't know how to describe it. Or I played the song for my parents and they finally understand what I'm going through. Or I realize I'm not alone. So I sought out therapy. Like all that is the greatest result. Not not the like accomplishments that the song has had per se, but it's been so nonstop because of the song. A lot of like session doors have opened. So it's just been like nonstop writing sessions and interviews and shoots and like traveling. There's a tour. And I mean, at some point, I don't even know like where I am <laughs> because it's been so crazy. It's also interesting when your life is changing that quickly, you're meeting tons of people all the time and you're navigating new relationships, but also trying to like hold on to the old relationships. But the people that were in your life before don't, really understand what's going on, but you're like really busy and you're trying to have time for them, but they think you're like big timing them. It's been stressful to navigate, to be honest. What do you do to like ground yourself and to manage that stress? Have you figured out like a thing to do? Honestly, it's simple, but going on walks has helped me a lot. I'm currently looking for a therapist though, because you're you're catching me at a particular time where I do need some help (laughs) managing everything. Yeah, definitely. I love going for a walk after dinner. I think it's probably the the one thing I picked up from COVID that's just been a blessing. So I can see why that has become a staple for you. During this period of sort of growth career-wise, would you say that your spiritual growth, your mental growth has sort of been on pause while you're doing all of these other things? I think so. And um, I've been kind of coasting. And I remember I, I genuinely had not had like a free day to sit with myself and think for months. 
like even weekends was was doing stuff and taking meetings and blah 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 but there was a day that I I got back from tour and it was like the first Saturday in at least four months that I had off and I just cried because like I think everything good and bad just like hit me all at once like a brick wall yeah (laughs) yeah Harry knows this I had that literally yesterday and yeah I think it looks different for everyone right like stress or being busy looks different for every person. So I don't think there's any way you can compare those points in time. But I feel like in terms of hitting that brick wall of emotion, once you have the time to sit, it's amazing what comes up that has been on pause. Like it surprises me every time. Do you feel like you have a better sense for if this happened again, how you would sort of handle it in terms of creating a balance? Or do you feel like you're still figuring out how to create those boundaries within this these periods? I'm still figuring it out, figuring it out. And I would like to say that I would put my foot down more and like not take on as much as I have been. But I mean, in truth, it's like, you know, strike all the irons hot, do everything that you can. So there's that mentality too. I mean, I don't know when this moment goes away, like a lot of doors that were open then won't be open now. But is it worth taking it a little easier just to like feel a bit more sane? I don't know. It just reminds me of all the podcast episodes we've spoken to and the people we've spoken to, like, and this even just turn it back, not to like mention another person we spoke to, but that's what JP Sachs said, Will. He said that he would sit in these record label meetings and he'd sign with the record deal and he would be so focused on performing and not actually celebrating that he wasn't like happy in it, if that makes sense. Like he wouldn't have anyone around him. He didn't have anyone to celebrate with him. He was just he didn't by himself. Invite, he didn't invite his friends like because he wanted to, he was just so focused. He had like an acoustic performance or something he, he had to do that he just forgot to celebrate. And so that's something he said as well. I don't know, maybe Em, you can start working on a book for people that are going through this. I need it. I need the book. So we're talking about anxiety. And in terms of this period of time, you know, not sleeping and stuff, that can be really tough for anxiety. It can really feed it, I've found for me personally. With all of these things that have pushed you outside of your comfort zone, right? Like playing a stadium like you did. How has dealing with anxiety been throughout this? I have really terrible post-show anxiety. My friends always tell me like, oh, you did great. And for some reason, I feel like they're lying to me and like someone's paying them to tell me that. I don't know. I've always been like a terrible perfectionist and I'm trying to also learn that like a live performance is not supposed to be perfect and it's okay if you like miss notes and forget to sing and whatever. Like that's okay. But to be honest, like when I did Wango Tango, which is the biggest show that I've ever done, it was like thousands of people. There are some things that went wrong technically and consequently mentally. And that one's been tough to live with basically we had this 10 minute sound check everything in the sound check was just like kind of going wrong like you have these in-ears which helps you play in a stadium because if, if you don't have them it's like too echoey and you can't really tell where yeah, you're going so, so much echo so everything was coming out of just one in-ear and like obviously you feel imbalanced and the levels just feel off so at the 10 minutes they like cut us off and they're like all right that's all you get which is just how it works that's fine right before going on stage they're like We'll test the levels again. So they did, but no one said the song starts now. <laughs> so um, I didn't actually know that the song was like starting when I was supposed to go on stage and everything. I thought they were still testing. I realized it like mid first verse and like ran out, out of breath. Like wasn't ready for, to perform because I didn't know I was supposed to go on just then. And it was just the one song slot. So I felt a little bit like it wasn't the performance I wasn't I wanted to give. And 
I couldn't really redeem myself with another song or anything. I just ran off and like honestly felt gutted. And it was also hard because for the first time I like received a good amount of hate on the internet and I hadn't experienced that before. So it's also hard to go through something like that when like, you know, you weren't at your best, but like, they don't know what happened. And, <laughs> you know, it, it kind of sucks. Yeah. As a fellow perfectionist, which is honestly something I'll be working on too, that I can only feel for you. Is it like a shame as well that sort of comes with for you when something like that happens? Yeah. I mean, it's a shame and humiliation. And like when I, when I was just like running off, I was so frantic that I like didn't really think about stage presence and things like this. And I, yeah, of course. I know that it wasn't like the best performance you've ever seen. And that bothers me, but also like I need to give myself a chance to grow into that. I'm so new. I've never been in a stadium like that before. Like I need to let myself just ease into it, you know? Yeah. Exactly. If we could sort of dig into those comments you received, were people saying stuff about the performance or like... Yeah. I mean, there was a reel that iHeart posted and I love iHeart. I appreciate all their support, but the reel they posted was not the strongest part of the song. People were just commenting like, proves that you don't have to be able to really sing to have a TikTok following. Like just stuff like that. And then I remember like, I did kind of move on in my head and I was like, okay, next show, it'll be better. And then I was scrolling through TikTok and there was a girl who like rated my performance three out of 10 and said like, no stage presence, she was boring, blah, blah, blah. That's really mean. Yeah, people, people are mean, but I'm also just trying, like, what would you say? How, how would you deal with hate? I, it's so new to me and I do have thin skin, unfortunately. Yeah. I think the toughest thing about that is like, there's a couple of things. Obviously they're not seeing the full performance. So it's like, it's pretty unfair for you. Like you're not being shown in the best light. And also live performances always sound better in person. Like there's a reason that songs are finely tuned for the phone because you can just pick up on every little thing, even when it's something's a little bit off. I think in terms of dealing with hate, like I sort of just try to process it and feel it and go through it. And I think that it's a good chance to realize that, you know, maybe I am too attached to this self image I have as a musician. Like at the end of the day, if if people like the song, then that's all that should matter. Like if, if it helps someone, I sort of think of that, but I use, I meditate a lot. And so when something like that happens, I just meditate, feel it, let all the emotions out in journal. What about you, Harry? I don't really care personally. Like I also don't really look at it, to be honest. I don't really like, I don't care what meme guy 20 says. You know what I mean? Like the, those spam kind of like haters. I don't care what they say. Why would I care? The only time I'd ever care if someone's opinion is if they're close to me because they're the people that mean something to me. The rest of them don't actually mean anything. Like they're, they're not in my life. They could be like bots for all I know. They could just be AI just walking around. I try not to look at it. I guess if someone's making a video about you hating on you, that's a situation I haven't been in before. How did that make you feel? I mean, it's, it sucked. Like I've never been judged that harshly on my For You page. Like that's crazy. I mean... To an extent, I guess you should be happy to have even like reached a level where someone could hate on you so publicly. <laughs> it's funny when I when I got the hate, I was like really emotional about it, but I was also like trying to keep it together with my band, and I was like, I love new experiences, <laughs> I love trying new things. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. I guess in terms of your overall experience with shows, how do you feel generally before them? Because some of the artists we have on would be like, I get anxious before. A show like really anxious. What's your experience before you hit the stage? 
I would say the worst part is usually like 10 seconds before. It's also funny because like when I went on tour with Anson Sayabra opening, there are a few times there's a big long intro leading up to the first song and it's like this whole thing. And then a couple of times like the piano wasn't on and it's embarrassing, but then you kind of just like find your way through that. And it's honestly good when like the worst happens sometimes because then you're like, there's nothing to be truly nervous about. Like you're a human, this will happen. It's okay. Like, yeah. We do have we do have some lyrics up for you that I did want to go through. I don't feel a single thing. Have the pills done too much? Haven't caught up with my friends in weeks and now we're out of touch. After you write something like that, do you sort of reflect on your life and, and think like, oh, should I be changing things? Or is that simply just it comes out of you and you just let the song live as it is? The latter. I mean, it just comes out. I remember I had written the beginning of the chorus already that do you ever get a little bit tired of life? Like you're not really happy, but you don't want to die. When I was writing the verse, I was like, okay, how do we get here? What do I feel? And then I answered my own question. I was like, I don't feel a single thing. So that's kind of where that lyric came from. Yeah. I mean, when I was on antidepressants, for some people, it works wonders. For me, it kind of took the joy away from everything. And I just had to capture that state. I don't think you hear too many people speaking about that, especially as artists as well. And I think that's probably one of the things that I love about your music and you as well is like, I think that you really stand on your own as an artist and that is really hard to do in this day and age, right? I feel like there's a lot of clones, especially with the whole TikTok space as an artist, it can be really easy to be very similar, but you've, I feel like you've always found a way to just let the music speak and also just be very authentically you. Is that something that you've carried from like university or like being younger as a kid or is that something you've recently like just developed and being comfortable with yourself in? Well, firstly, thank you. Um, and secondly, I mean, I grew up listening to singer songwriters, female singer songwriters of the early 2010s, like Kate Nash for June Spector, Fiona Apple, like I was talking about Florence and the Machine. And I feel like that music and that storytelling has kind of subsided a little bit, but I've always carried it with me and I've always kind of written the same way, I guess. So that's just who I've always been. I love that. I was going to ask, bringing it back to the medication side, what was the point in your life where you were like, I need to go on meds? Like what was the point before you actually got medicated? Um, I remember I had a mood tracker app. It was before... Before things were going viral, I mean, I was doing TikTok and like the viral stuff would ebb and flow. I don't think it was related to that. But I just remember like tracking more really bad days than good days. And I talked to a psychiatrist and within like 10 minutes, she prescribed pills. And I was super excited about it because I thought like, this is this is a solution. Like I'm I'm willing to try it. And then obviously we know, <laughs> we know the results. What did those days look like for you where things weren't going as well on that mood tracker. What did that look like for you? Lots of crying. And this is funny because my psychiatrist even said, this is really dramatic of me to describe, but I felt, (laughs) that's what I told her. Sometimes I felt like my frontal lobe was caving in. Something would happen and it would just, I would just feel like mentally and I'd have to like grip onto where I was physically to like remind myself. Oh my God. I don't know what that is. Some some mental health situation for sure. But uh, yeah, I remember the day that I clocked it was when I had gotten a kitten after months of begging my father, which is kind of silly to beg my father when I'm 23 for a cat, but um, we live in the same house. So that's what I have to do. I didn't care. Like she was so cute. And I just didn't feel 
joy or anything. Like I didn't feel everything I wanted to be feeling just because I felt like there was a ceiling to my emotions and it just kept like hitting it and it couldn't go through. And then I just kind of noticed that even with the Groundhog Day stuff, when that was going viral, like I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling the fact that all these labels were reaching out to me. It's also crazy how much like the way the music industry is set up, metrics affect how we feel about ourselves, like numbers and pixels. I know it's tough mentally, right? But also when you're reliant on your money for that, like it's a, it's a tough world and it's tough on both sides for different reasons. When we spoke in October or whenever it was last time, I asked you what your favorite songs were. It seemed to be the theme of like, it was just you sitting down and and writing and really, you know, getting out your thoughts. Now, would you say that's the same or do you feel like you've found your crew of collaborators where you feel very comfortable and you feel like you love those songs more? I recently started working with a duo named Dallas Caton and Alex Veltri. Since then, I feel like they've just taken the stuff that I do by myself to like the next level. And they're my main collaborators. I do everything with them. I like those songs more with them. I'm very grateful to have found them. Oh, that's cool. I was going to ask you, Em, to wrap everything up today. What are some tips that you have for people who are experiencing anxiety and a lot of stress in their life right now? Well, I'm definitely trying to figure that out myself. <laughs> um, but I would say... Surround yourself with the people that truly make you happy. And that seems obvious, but that's really hard to remember sometimes. Go on walks and drink water. Sometimes obvious things really help. And that's another thing that we forget. And also like know that it's okay not to be fine all the time. And something that I'm trying to remind myself is that like, if I feel really terrible, it's just a moment and it's not a lifetime of that. Because I think sometimes we can get sucked into this idea that it'll last forever, but it won't. To finish it off, in the next 12 months, I know you've achieved a lot in the last 12 months. Like in this next 12 months, what do you want to achieve from both a mental health perspective and then a career perspective? I don't know what I want to achieve. I never like dreamed of getting a Grammy because that just wasn't the point of music to me. So I don't know. I always say my biggest musical is like to perform on SNL one day because I've always watched it with my mom. That's not in the next 12 months, but that's like kind of the top for me. But I have an EP that's coming in July that I'm super excited about. There's more mental health stuff on there. And then I'm opening for King Princess in October, which I'm super stoked about. Oh, sick. Amazing. I really appreciate your time. And uh, it's been really cool to unpack sort of the journey you've been on, which is almost feels like a behind the scenes for someone who's going to have a very long career and many more hit records. Let's just hope though for your sake that you do get that breathing space between the hits. Thank you. So, Will, I really liked that episode with M today. What was your biggest takeaway? I'd say my biggest takeaway is, and it was, it was really interesting because I had spoken to her uh, a bit back before she had all this mayhem happen. So, it was really interesting for me personally to sort of see how she's tracking with it. In terms of, you know, today being a topic around anxiety, I did find it really interesting and I appreciated her honesty around the fact that she felt like she hadn't been really sleeping or taking care of, you know, herself in the best way she could. When she mentioned that she goes and walks, I thought that was really helpful sort of just simple thing that we can all do. I think I've mentioned it before, but just having something that you can do, which is free, pretty easy to access, like going for a walk is a really good tip that I think we can all take away. And so I think I definitely implore everyone listening to find something that they can do that is as simple as that and that they can access really easily. 
I really do hope, though, that she manages to find some peace when it comes to all of the people she's meeting and like the pressure she feels on her shoulders. Because as you can see, like she's had something that she's dreamed of happen. A lot of the time, it doesn't really taste the way we think it will. And so I thought that it was a really interesting episode because we've spoken to guests that have had that happen and been through it, but she's going through it in the process now. So yeah, I really wish you all the best and we'll definitely have her back on at some point. So stay tuned for that. You've made it this far, so you deserve a gold star. I appreciate you for sticking around with us. Make sure you follow the podcast on our socials at Really Mental Podcast and give us five stars on whatever podcast streaming service you listen on. Harry and I are laughing at the fact that I just did a rhyme for gold star. But we have a very exciting guest with us next week, so stay tuned. We have Sam Nelson Harris from X Ambassadors on, and we think you'll find that equally as interesting. So come back next week, and we'll see you then. Have a beautiful week. Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. If you guys are struggling, Will and I aren't like professionals in this field. We're just telling our experiences through stories and kind of just sharing what we've been through. But if you are really struggling, we do highly suggest going to see a therapist and professional help because they will be the ones that can really help you in your situation. Yeah, of course. Feel free to share your stories with us and DM us. We want to know what you're going through, but make sure you take the time to speak to a professional because that's going to give you the most help. That said, we hope that these stories and the people we've spoken to can really help you on your journey to finding that right person, whether it's a therapist or that friend to talk to about it. Make sure you take the time to do that.